going to continue this morning um, in our series of giving thanks. And we've been doing that for a couple of weeks now. Who has been here for the couple of weeks that we have we've shared it? I'm so glad you guys have been here, considering they were weeks one and two. I'm so glad. It's been a good one. It really has. Pastor Renee spoke. Uh, she kicked us off with uh, money with a mission. And she talked about missions giving and how if there's no giving, there's no going. And how we have to have the giving to go and to con uh, continue and push forward the work of God. In other places, she talked about Pastor Larry in the Czech Republic. Um, and we have a team going next June. Shameless plug for that trip. If you're interested, you can meet him today. <laughs> anyway, Pastor Craig also talked last week about keeping our finances in order, getting our finances in order, and managing your money well so that it does not manage you in your life. And so you have control over that uh, and so that the Lord can do what he needs to do with what you have. And this week, I have the opportunity to talk about living within your means and stewardship of that and what that looks like in the life of a Christian. And the one thing that I have learned over the course of my 30 years of walking with Jesus is that stewardship is not as much about your money as it is your heart. The Father doesn't need your money. He doesn't need it. He has everything he needs. He owns it all. In Matthew 6.21, it says this, for, your, for where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which life centers will be also. And for many people, money is that treasure. Money is that thing that holds their heart so tightly and grips it to, so tightly. Because we have to be honest with the fact that money is what makes the world go round. Without it, we can't live. Without it, we can't pay our bills. Without it, we can't have fun. There's just a lot tied to it. So it makes sense that a lot of people um, have a hard time when it comes to that and realizing that it can be a treasure that can sometimes grip us instead of us gripping it. And it's not just about our money, although that's a big part of it. It's also about our time. Stewardship is about our time. It's about the things that we treasure here on the earth. And the truth is we have a responsibility to take care of it all well, not just our finances. And stewardship is really just taking care of the things that God has given to us. He gives us everything. Uh, we do it to the best of our ability, and we utilize it um, we manage all the resources that God has given us for his glory, for his kingdom, for his purposes here on the earth and beyond. And when you and I manage our money and our finances well and our lives well, truthfully, it makes us better for one another. This is not a one-person show. This is not just, this only affects me. This, is, this goes on to the body of Christ. This goes on to the people around us and to the things that the Lord has our, uh, our, us in places of. And in Psalms 21, I'm sorry, 24, verse 1, it says this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it, the world and those who dwell in it. So this is not just our money. This is us. This is not just me. This is my kids. This is my job. This is everything that we see on the earth, everything that is encompassed in what we, we know as reality is his, even us, even us as his children. And I think that this is something that we have to settle as believers, as people, we have to settle this, that everything belongs to him before we can be a good steward of what we have. And so everything he's entrusted with us, to us is his. It is for his purposes. All of our hopes, all of your hopes, all of our dreams, they're all his. They all come from him. The talents and abilities that he has given you and I, they are his, and they come from him. We don't do anything apart from him. The things that we treasure the most in our lives, our family, our time, they are all his. 
every single thing. The financial blessings that he bestows upon us are actually his. So this is all encompassing again. And it may sound a little bit crazy to think that way, to try and switch our hearts, to try and switch what we believe or what we've come to know about our finances and about our life. But sometimes it might sound a little foolish. You may say this is just ridiculous. But the more that I get to know the Father, the more I get to know his heart for me and his character, the deeper I realize that he loves me, that he loves me. And it's a joy, Pastor Craig said it a little while ago, it's our joy to give. It's our joy to steward the things that the Father has given us well because he blesses me. He blesses me. Jeremiah 29, 11, super familiar scripture. It says this, for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans of peace and well-being and not for disaster and to give you a future and hope. He's for you. As we go forth in our life and we, we try to steward well, he's for you. He's for you. He's, he's good to us. And his heart is pure and his intentions are pure towards you. He doesn't ask us to do something and then rule it with an iron fist and keep our thumb down on us. He does it because he loves us and his heart for you is pure. And because I know his heart and his character can be trusted and that he's trustworthy with every part of my life, none of us have to worry about any bad intentions. Some of us have bad experiences, but the Father does not have bad intentions for your heart. We don't have bad experiences with the Lord. We have bad experiences in life. They're not attached to who he is. They're not attached to who he is. For me, that brings a lot of peace. It's a lot of peace that, it, that a God that is so big, that loves me so deeply, has my best interest at heart, has my family's best interest at heart. And I can put everything I have, everything that he has given me so freely, back into his hands and say, I trust you. I trust you with everything. Everything I have is on loan from him in this life. And one of the hardest things I had to do as a parent was when my kids were born was to realize that they're not mine. To realize that as soon as they came out the womb, they actually weren't mine. I had to say, Lord, they're yours. Do what you will. Have your way in their life. Teach them, show them, guide them. And I'm just going to do my best to, to guide them as well. But they're on loan to me. But it's my responsibility to oversee it all well, to the best of my human ability. And I say this because I don't think, like I said uh, briefly, if we don't really believe that God's for us and that his heart is pure, it's really hard to hand him over everything. I'm not going to hand something over to somebody I don't trust and somebody I don't know loves me and somebody I don't know that has um, all my best interest and, and good intentions for me. Because a lot of us, let's face it, we work hard for what we have, right? Work hard, long hours, long days, long weeks sometimes. And so it goes against what we can understand humanly to say that I don't actually own this. I don't actually, um, this is just on loan and everything I have is actually his. And so it's, it's very contradictory to what our hearts want to feel sometimes. But we have to realize this because our finances are attached to it. And so we have to make that, um, that separation from our hearts, from our money, from our hearts, um, to know that he's for us. And one way that we do this is that we live within our means. I'm sure everybody has heard that term. My dad used to say to me all the time, and I was a teenager, and I was like, whatever. Whatever, I'm going to go, I can get a credit card, I can have whatever I want. I, I'm living with my means, whatever, dad. Now I'm an adult, and I understand. <laughs> I understand. But this, in terms of our finances, this means that we don't spend what we don't have. 
It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple, right? We don't overextend ourselves financially. We take what the Lord has given to us and we're honest about it. And we're like, you know what, Lord, this is the, the chunk of change you've given me for the month. And I'm going to do my best to steward it well, to live within the parameters of what you have given me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Took some little red pills before this and everything is dry. <clears throat> Sorry. They're, they're legal pills. <laughs> they're from the drugs. They're from CVS, guys. Anyway, back on track. Back on track. We're talking about Jesus. Uh, in the United States, even those that live at the poverty line are 85% better off than the rest of the world. That's wild. That's wild. In Latin America, for example, the average daily earning is only $8.04. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. I can barely go buy myself coffee for $8.04, <laughs> let alone try and survive. Yet, we seem to have this issue where we never have enough, we're never content enough. You know, why aren't we content? How much will ever be enough in our life? If we're honest, how much is ever going to be enough? How many of you have ever gotten the opportunity to travel to a developing country? A lot of you. A lot of you. I've had the privilege several times, and I remember uh, one of the first times we were in Honduras, and they set us up. They said, oh, we're going to pack bags of food for this outreach that we're going to do. And so we, our team stood in line, and little by little it was like, like this much coffee and this much flour. And uh, I don't even know what else, baking soda. I mean, it was like crazy, it felt like random things that we were putting in these bags. And we prayed over each of these bags, and we were told later that that one bag would provide the family with what they needed for a week. For a week. And we were dumbfounded. I'm like, I, I wouldn't even know what to do with this, let alone stretch it for a whole week to make it something substantial out of it. So even at our poverty line in the United States, we are 85% better off than the rest of the world. And we've bought into this lie, because it's a lie, there's no other way to say it, that money gives success, security, and significance to us. What's the first thing many of us do when you meet somebody? Hi, I'm Shelby. Oh, what do you do? What do you do? Our identity somehow has gotten lost in the fact that we are just children of God, that he loves us, that we're enough into our career and what we're known for and where we spend our 40 hours or our 60 hours or whatever, right? But the, the truth of the matter is that true success, true significance and contentment only come from knowing Jesus. That's the only source that will ever be enough. It's the only source that will sustain us the way that we need to be sustained. And I think we have to change the question from what do I want to do with my money and my time and the talents that I have to what does God want me to do with them? Today, how do I utilize them for the kingdom? Not for self, but for the kingdom. You know, Paul, we, we hear a story of Paul. Poor guy was in prison. He was a mess. He was chained up. I can't imagine his um, circumstances were more than grim at best. Yet he said in Philippians 4.11, I'm not saying this out of need, for I've learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. The dude was chained up. Probably in some, I can't even imagine, back, way back then, disgusting, gross, 
prison cell chained and said, you know what, no matter what I have, I'm good because I have Jesus. You know, my husband and I, most of you know him, he's in the nursery today. We've had some tough times. We've had some tough times in our life. There were times when um, Nathan was little. My son Nate is over there somewhere. He's 17 now. But when he was born, we didn't have anything. And I remember going, <laughs> let me tell you some family secrets. I remember going over John in our bank account because I bought, he outgrew shoes, little tiny shoes. And I was like, oh, he needs new shoes. And I went to Target and I bought these really cute little tennis shoes for him. They were blue and they were $7.99. And it blew our account overdraft. You know, I wasn't content in that moment. I was super frustrated. Super frustrated because the need felt so basic and yet we just didn't have it to do. I can remember when he was um, a little bit older, a few months older, and he grew. He was like, you know, he was born at like eight pounds, but then by the time he was three months, he was like 20 pounds. So it was like, <laughs> I couldn't keep up. We didn't have any money anyway, so it was like, I don't know what to do with this. But uh, a friend of mine, she, um, she was a hairdresser, a good friend of mine from high school, and she loved him and loved our family, and she had been talking about him to a client of hers, and the client happened to have two little boys at home. And she one day came into her salon and dropped off, like, you know, those huge Rubbermaid tubs, like three to four of them filled with name brand baby boy clothes, not even just whatever, like Gap and like all the cool stuff, right, Old Navy. And so I've learned over the years to know God as my provider and my source of contentment and the true source of what I am. And we've learned that whether we have a little or a lot, we just steward it to the best of our ability and God takes care of the rest. There's rest in that. There's peace in that that says, if I can understand that everything I own is his, then I can rest because he's a provider and he's a good dad. In those days, we just didn't have a lot to take care of, right? But God, is, he's proven faithful time and time and time again to our family. I'm going to read um, this morning out of John chapter 6, and it's verses 1 through 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, the scriptures will be up on the screen behind me. And this is the familiar story of the little boy uh, with the fish and the loaves of bread. And I like the story. I'm reading out of the message this morning. It says this, starting in verse 1. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles that they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples. And it was nearly time for the feast of Passover, kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to, to stretch Philip's faith because he already knew what he was going to do. Verse 7, Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. Like, Jesus, you're crazy. And one of the disciples, it was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said, there's a little boy over there who has five barley loaves and two fish. That's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Like, Jesus, it'll never be enough, but that's all I see. And Jesus said, make the people sit down. That's a good idea. There's 5,000 of them. Let's have them sit down. Just let them sit. Less chaos if they're sitting and they're hungry and maybe they're hangry. Make them sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. So they sat down, about 5,000 of them. 
And then Jesus took the bread, having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated, and he did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to the disciples, gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. And they went to work and filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. So Jesus is going about his business. He crosses the sea. This crowd is following him because they're like, oh, this guy does cool things. We want to know what he does. We want to be a part of this. Jesus goes up this hill. I'm thinking like, I mean, he's, he's Jesus, so he already knows. So he's probably not worried. But if this is me, I'm like, all these people are following me. Maybe they won't follow me up the hill. I'm going to go up there with my disciples. We're going to figure out how, what we're doing. How do we feed these people? What do we do? And Jesus is like, all right, let's have him sit down. He already knew. He already had the plan of action to be executed. And 5,000, some probably heard this before, but when the Bible speaks in numbers like this, they're not even counting the kids and the women. This is just the men. There's 5,000 men. So you're not counting families and additional beings. This is just the men that are accounted for. He has them sit down. He puts it all up to the Lord and says, oh, Dad, can you do something with this? Will you do something with this today? And his father's like, yeah, I can. And they end up with 12 baskets left over from everybody eating all that they wanted. You know, sometimes we take a practical step and we trust God with our finances and with the means. We have to learn to live within our means. That day, the little boy didn't have to trust everything he had to Jesus. That was all he had. Those were the means he had for the day. He didn't have anything else. His mother maybe sent him out with that and said, you need to stretch this. I know it's early on in the day, but this is all you have. And you need to make this work from morning till night when you come home. And he was probably like, okay, mom. And then all of a sudden, this disciple sees him and says, you've got food and we're going to use it. He could have ran. He could have hid. He could have said, no, Jesus, you can't have what I have. It's mine. It's all that I have for the day. And he could have said no. But I want you to understand something. Our simple things our simple things in the hand of a powerful and loving father changes the story. It changes the story if you will give him what, he, what is his anyway. And it may just look like a drop in the bucket, but our drop in the bucket, stewarded well, has the potential for the miraculous. So I encourage you to live within your means financially. God will do great things. When we don't overextend ourselves financially, we actually have the opportunity to bless people. And Craig said it again earlier, we're blessed to be a blessing. That's part of who we are in the kingdom. We're blessed to be a blessing. And for me, over the years, you know what? God has, God has taken us from those days 17 years ago, and I'm so thankful. And one of our favorite things to do now is to see or hear of a need and handle it when it's within our means when it's within the parameters of what we can do. It's a lot of fun, guys. It's a lot of fun to be able to bless. And it's not because we have so much money. It's really not. But it's because over the course of time, we've realized and learned to take care of it, uh, what has been trusted to us. There's no, it's not rocket science. It's just Jesus. We've done our best in the times when there was a little. And now we steward what we currently have to the best of our ability, living within the parameters of our means and what the Lord blesses us with each month. But this doesn't just happen. It's a discipline. It's a discipline and a lifestyle that we've learned and that we've tried to cultivate in our home. Uh, living within 
our means when it comes to time. Maybe that's tougher for you than the finances. I know for me, I mean, I'll be honest, like, it's a struggle. I've only got this many hours in the day, and I'm a, I'm a person that, like, likes to know what's next. And so I'm like, well, I go to work at this time, and then after work, I've got 30 minutes, and I'm going to get groceries, and after that, I'm going to pick up my kids. And I, I will put every minute of the day, like, something on it because I'm that person, and I'm going to go home at 5, and I'm going to start dinner, and I'm going to do this in between while dinner's cooking, and this, like, anybody else? Just me? I'm the only crazy one? <laughs> I'm the only one that, does, that lives like that. I mean, I try not to all the time, but often it happens. It just does, I'm being honest. It's so easy to overextend ourselves. It's so easy to just cram everything in. And somehow we, we think that busier is better. Busier is not better. It's not better. Rest is a weapon against the enemy. And he doesn't like it when we rest. He doesn't like it when we give ourselves a break because he wants us distracted and exhausted. You know, we can say things like, well, it's my only day off, and I, I wanted to do this, and I don't have time for, for that, whatever, fill in the blank, right, whatever that thing is for you. I can't be bothered for that. But our time belongs to him, too, and I'm not saying that there's not balance in that. The Lord doesn't want you to take from your family. He doesn't want you to take from your rest time. But when there are moments when you know he's asking you to give that time, give the time. When there's moments that you can, with a good heart and a clear conscience, say, this is what I'm supposed to do, allow him to move you in that direction without, uh, without hesitancy. Just do it. Because everything is his. Everything is his. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says this, in their uh, hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And I don't want to just plan my course for me personally um, and manage what I, I like to think of as mine how I want to. I want to be established in the things of God because his way, his plan, the way he does things is better than I could ever do it. So I want to be established and rooted in the things that he has placed in front of me because I can plan all day long what I'm going to do and where I think I'm going to go and what, you know, what I think is going to be best. But he establishes those that allow him to order his steps. He establishes us. He plants us. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Our time matters. It really matters. It matters to your families. It matters to um, the people, your friends, your relationships, the people around you. It matters because people matter. Our time matters because people matter in our lives. And stewarding our time well allows us to be available. We need to be available. If we're so busy running amok trying to just fill in the schedule, we can miss things. We can miss divine appointments that God has for us. So that's why it's important to steward even our time well. And none of us really know how much longer we have, right? The only thing we do know is every day we're a day closer, right? Kind of morbid, but kind of true. Just a day closer today than I was yesterday. But there's wisdom that comes in our lives when we realize that our days are numbered. It's okay to think that way. It's okay to know that and to live well today in the things that are in front of us. It's important for us to steward our time and the things we hold close to our heart and our money well because my time's not my own. My treasures are not my own. It all belongs to him. And we do our best to live with an open hand. Sometimes you hear that term, open hand. 
I want to live open-handed. Yet we live within the boundaries of our means, ready to give, whether it's our money or time or talent freely. Um, if I hold on to the things that I think are mine, I won't be ready to take hold of the new things that God has for me. I can hold so tightly to the things that I'm just like, oh, but I love this. I love this. God gave me this, and I'm going to hang on to it forever, forever. But when I go like this, he can take it, not because he wants to take things from me, because he, he wants to continue to establish me. He wants to continue to bless me. He wants to continue to grow my faith in him. And so he wants to put something different in my hand. The Bible talks about being faithful with a little bit. You'll be faithful with much. How do we get more, the more of God, if we are closed-fisted? I don't want to be a person who ties God's hands because my fist is closed. And I want, I want to encourage you not to be that way either, either this morning. To be truly prosperous, we don't have to have a million dollars in the bank. Would it be nice? Sure. I mean, I wouldn't say no. I don't think anybody would say no. We don't have to own property, although owning property is great. We don't have cars or vacation homes, although I wouldn't be opposed. We don't name it and claim it. That's not what we do. That's silly. But true kingdom prosperity is using what we do have to further the kingdom. It's taking care of what he's given us to meet the needs of the world around us. And that includes our spiritual needs of people. That includes physical needs. It includes um, helping people who struggle mentally. And it also includes uh, helping financially when we're able to. And as I steward the things he's given me well, he brings favor to my life. I've seen it. You can argue with me, but you won't win because it's my experience. I know better. My hopes and my dreams, they collide with his. <clears throat> and my future is secure in him because I can trust him. And so I'm going to share with you this morning a story um, that's pretty close to my heart. And if you guys would go to the next slide. Let me do this and try not to be teary-eyed. This is Jeff. Jeff, um, he was like a dad to me growing up. When I was in high school, I was really good friends with his daughter. Actually, it's the woman I spoke of earlier that brought me all the clothes for my son. He was a man who never knew a stranger, and he was married to his high school sweetheart, Val, for 34 years. Together, they had two kids. And Jeff loved Jesus and his family fiercely over the whole course of time that I knew him. Over the years, he would find him driving the church bus, running the church hot dog cart, working the weekly food distributions, and sometimes helping behind the scenes, counting the offering and making sure bills got paid on time for the church. He'd pretty much do anything that he saw that needed to be done. Anything. And I'm sure we know people like that. We know people like that. Over the years, he and his wife took in several families when they had fallen on, on hard times. Single moms and friends of his kids who needed a place to go. He coached youth teams, um, umpired baseball games, and was the announcer for the Youth Hockey League. And his son played hockey at West Point after high school. And he was actually dubbed the team dad for those whose parents were far away. He was known to show up on holidays like Thanksgiving and give the boys a real home-cooked meal. Jeff was also the guy that, he, when I was in high school, he could, we could walk into his house and he would just look at you and know you weren't okay. And he was just that guy who would come up and give you a big hug and a smile and tell you it was going to be okay. Shelf, it's going to be okay. 
it's going to be okay. He was the guy who showed up at my house during the days that I spoke of earlier with food and made sure that we had what we needed in our, in our cupboards. Um, Jeff was diagnosed with cancer back in 2018, and he beat it. He actually went through his treatment. He got to ring the bell, and, and he was free and clear. Um, but back over the summer, it came back, and it came back fiercely, and it had spread, and there was no real treatment to be done for him. And so after a short time, he actually was hospitalized, and um, he was just declining. So when the doctors gave him the news that his time was short, he um, he's started to make a list, and he purposefully didn't take the like recommended amount of medication because he wanted to be clear in his mind. And so he asked his wife for a pen and paper, and he began to make a list. And on this list, he told his wife, I know I'm not going to get everybody, but he, he just wrote down everybody he could think of. And within the last, it was like 48 hours, the last 48 hours of his life, he called people in, family members, one by one, friends of his grandchildren. And he shared with them the things he thought of them, the way he loved them. But he, more importantly than that, he shared with them that he loved Jesus. And he wanted them to love him too. He didn't waste anything. He wasn't wasting any of his time, even up to the last 48 hours of his life. He was living within the means of what he'd been given since the moment he met Jesus, and he didn't waste it till his last day. He passed away on Memorial Day, and a couple weeks ago I was not here. I was actually back east at his celebration of life. But you see, our stewardship isn't just about our money. I share that story with you because it's personal to me, but it shows and really is an example of a life well lived, to steward our money, our time, our talent, the things that we treasure most in this life. All that we have and all we can give to reach people and to love people, that's what our life is for. That's what stewardship is about. In Mark 8.36, it says, For what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world with all its pleasures and forfeit his soul? What good does it do to have every possession I could have because my my finances allow it and lose what I have in my soul and my spirit. I can have all the riches in the world and be the poorest people, poorest person in front of you if I'm not using it for Jesus. Because a life worth living is a life worth giving away. And that's what true stewardship is. That's what living like Jesus is in terms of our stewardship, our money, our talents, our time. This morning, as I close, I am going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to, I really felt compelled to ask two different um, questions this morning. The first one is, man, I can do better with what he's given me, my money, my time, my talent. And the second one is, man, you've talked a lot about trust, you've talked a lot about trusting Jesus with things, with everything, because it all belongs to him, and I've never trusted him before, and I want to trust him this morning for the first time, or rededicate. And so if either of those things, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so I can pray for you, because I think it's important that we come back to the heart of God. Yeah, I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
So I'm going to pray, and then you'll be dismissed. But if you have any other prayer needs, we're going to wait up here for a bit. We don't want to miss an opportunity. So, Father, I just thank you that we can trust you, God. I thank you for those, Lord, that you've spoken to this morning in different levels. And I just ask, Father, that you would really give them the wisdom, Lord, to walk out stewarding what they have well, God, trusting you better with the things that you've entrusted to them. God, I thank you that you trust us with so much and that you are always, always for us. So Jesus, we just bless you this morning and I bless your people in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.